On March 18, while the Russian military under Putin's orders were bombing civilian centers and killing innocent people without mercy, Putin spoke to a group, some of them were actually there voluntarily maybe, at a war rally in Moscow. He invoked the words of Jesus, there is no greater love than giving up one's soul, is his translation of it, for one's friends. What better way to get people fired up for killing people than to quote the Prince of Peace? What's next? Quoting the Sermon on the Mount to encourage greed and revenge. Then on March 27, after the slap that was heard around the world, in his acceptance speech for winning the Oscar for Best Actor in King Richard, and it really is a good, good movie, Will Smith, in his acceptance speech, appealed to God and appealed to love, and he said, in this time in my life, in this moment, I am overwhelmed by what God is calling on me to do and to be in this world, love will make you do crazy things. I'm being called on in my life to love people and to protect people and to be a river to my people. It's like I want to be a vessel of love. I don't pretend to know the experiences underneath the action of Will Smith on that night. Um, they're complex, I'm sure. They're deep. And uh, I would not condemn him or anyone for acting badly out of those experiences. Uh, there are consequences to our behaviors, and I recognize that. But I do want to try to understand and empathize with where people are coming from, not to uh, dis dismiss the seriousness of the offense and the consequences that will come and should come, but then to understand what pain may be behind that, what experience. So while I say what I'm going to say, I, I don't want to come across as dismissive of Will Smith's uh, experiences, but I do want to use his words in appealing to God and to love in the aftermath of an assault. Um... Uh, and it's really not a whole lot different than Christian history. A lot of times the name of God has been used to justify assault, war even. And it makes me, it's a modern day illustration and example I think for all of us that we don't have to go into ancient history to find it. People using God to justify bad behaviors but it does make us all, I think, ask. It makes me ask, you know, 
Is this what God wants me to be in this world? Am I behaving in a way? Am I responding in a way that God is calling me to respond? Or am I outside of that response? And it makes me ask the question that I want us to ask in this series. You know, what does it mean to be a Christian? It seems like if I call myself a Christian, I would express the values of Christ. And I would embrace the values, share the values of Christ. According to Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary in Massachusetts, one of my favorite authors in the whole world was uh, the president of that school back in my evangelical days, and I still benefit so much from that, from that author. That's why I have kind of a, a heart uh, for that school. But they do every year a kind of a report on the state of Christianity around the globe. And in their, what they call the Global Missions Report of 2022, they record how many Christian denominations there are around the globe. Does anybody even want to venture a guess at that? How many Christian denominations there are? It's just astronomical to me. There are, according to this seminary study, 46,400 Christian denominations. That's why I don't understand why people say God speaks with a united voice in Scripture. If Scripture had a united voice, there wouldn't be 46,400 denominations. But anyway... I veer off. Goes back to the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, there are probably at least 46,400 answers to that. That's why we have that many denominations. Not churches, but denominations. And within each denomination, there are probably variations as to what a Christian is. In fact, Dr. Meadows, our associate pastor last week, said at this uh, Baptist University up the road here, from which I graduated in 1978, uh, says that a fundamental belief, an essential belief to being a Christian is the belief in and the practice of complementarianism, which is the view that says the man is the head over the wife and the wife has to submit to the husband and the woman because of gender is not qualified to be in a leadership position. So there are some in even denominations that would have varying differences about what it means to be even a believer, a Christian. So there may be not just 46,000 different views of what it means to be a Christian, millions within those denominations. I asked on my website or my Facebook page this week, for your response. And they kept coming and coming. And I wrote this message and I sent it to our graphics folks to prepare this uh, on Wednesday. And you all kept coming. But you all had so many good insights and, and so many good answers. Uh, Matthew owned to be Christ-like in all things. Long answer. I'll need my laptop to type that one. Uh, yeah, there are so many uh, some people say it's complex. Deb Appleby, I love Deb. She says it's simple. Do what Jesus would do. Love all, be kind. Not everybody believes in that. Uh, 
to trust in the teaching of the Bible, to trust in the Father, to live and to serve Him. All of these are good answers. It's just our understanding. We're expressing uh, our, our world. I love that Paul May. Does Paul go to our church? I don't know if he does. Does anybody know Paul May? I love his answer. Oh, man, Pastor, I would have already thought that you knew the answer to that. No, I don't. That's why I'm asking. I'm trying to figure it out. So I need to, I haven't replied to any of these yet because I haven't had time. And I may not ever. I don't know. (laughs) But I just love all the different answers and all the different perspectives. And so it's really a cheap advertisement for my Facebook page. Just go to it and read and you'll learn so much about it. As an agnostic individual, I believe being a Christian is showing love and acceptance. I like that. I so resonate with that. And so please just continue. See, it just goes on and on. I just am so happy. Thanks, Mark. Love and kindness in your heart. So many good answers. You know, when someone does something that I don't, I don't agree with, I, uh, I often say, well, they're not acting very Christian, especially if it's somebody that's supposedly connected to a church in, in some way. They're not acting very Christian. And what I really mean by that is that they're not acting in a way that I think is Christian. Now, they may be acting in a way that they think is Christian, but when I say they're not acting like a Christian, I am putting them in the frame that I have built that that's what a Christian should look like. Now, they have, may have a different frame. And they may be acting in a way that is consistent with how they think a Christian should look and how they think a Christian should act. But 46,400 different denominations, there are probably a lot of different ways that people think a Christian should act and how a Christian looks. Now, each of those denominations, I believe, whether they're progressive or conservative or anywhere in between, think that they've got it right. They think that they've kind of embraced the way that Jesus would live. And they probably think that uh, Jesus would join their particular denomination if Jesus were on earth today. I remember as a kid in the Southern Baptist Church, I actually thought that Jesus was a member of the First Baptist Church of Nazareth. Because I was right, and our church was the only one that was right. I don't, you know, my dad never preached a sermon that we were right and that everybody else was wrong. Never said those words, but that's what the message I somehow got, not just from dad, but from the entire machine of the denomination that we were right and everybody else was wrong. But now, I think I was wrong then. Now, if I was wrong then, it's possible that I'm wrong now. And I could be wrong in some of my theological understandings. And if I'm wrong now in my theological understandings, I will probably be wrong in the future. So I just want you to know that my last name is Wright. (laughs) But I am very wrong. 
And just because you hear something from me about a position on theology doesn't mean it's the right position. I've been wrong before, and I may be wrong now. I may be leading you off onto some kind of a cliff somewhere. (laughs) Now, don't you have the utmost confidence in me now? (laughs) But what that does for me, and I hope it does this for you, I really want it to be an encouragement to you and not a discouragement. What that does, it keeps me, and I hope it keeps you humble. And it keeps us listening to each other. It keeps us learning. It keeps us to be open to new discoveries from archaeology, new discoveries from anthropology, new discoveries from astronomy. It keeps us open to new discoveries in theology. It keeps us listening to each other. And it keeps me focused on just two or three things that I'm learning, and I think I'm right in this, are essential. Are essential. Yeah. It keeps me very much, teaches me to be curious, not judgmental. So, in this series, What If Christians Were Christian, we will listen and we will be curious and we will be humble as we think about the meaning of Christianity. You know, being a Christian today, this is how I was taught what it meant to be a Christian Maybe you were too. Maybe you still are there, and that's okay. Uh, you, you may be right in this. But I was taught, and many are believing it today, that to be a Christian means little more than believing stuff in order to get stuff. So I, I need to believe the right things about God and about Jesus and about myself. I need to believe the right things about the Bible. And if I believe the right stuff, then I'm going to get stuff. Ultimately, I'm going to get heaven if I believe the right stuff. If I believe the wrong stuff, according to this context, I'm not going to get heaven. I'm going to get God's wrath, as I heard a preacher last Sunday. But let me just make a proposition here. Could it be that the word belief is not so much a what word as it is a who word? There's a Greek word, pistos. I used to have fun saying that when I was a kid. <laughs> and, uh, and as an adult, I have fun saying that. <laughs> you know, someone who was taught not to ever cuss, sometimes you just want to cuss. <laughs> we had our Baptist cussing, shoot. <laughs> just change the vowels and darn. Well, I couldn't even say darn growing up because that was too close to Dan. But uh, anyway, I, I, I veer a lot, don't I? <laughs> but uh, in the Greek language, the word pistos, and sometimes pistos depending on the, ver- on the, uh, the uh, use, is the same word that's translated by faith and trust and believe. Always the same Greek word. The difference in faith and trust and belief is up to the translator. And as we always know, every translation is somebody's interpretation. So I just think it might be that trust or belief and faith is not so much a what word that you have to believe something about God, a theological statement about God, 
But maybe belief is more of a who word. Who do I trust? Who do I follow? Whose way do I embrace? So it's more about trusting that this is the right way, the way of love and the way of kindness and the way of doing to unto others as I would have them do unto you. Maybe that's what it means to trust because that way doesn't make sense. It, it goes against all logic that I would do to somebody, to them, like I would want them to do to me. It doesn't make sense, so I trust that that's the way. And that's not that I believe in the virgin birth, or I believe in a bodily resurrection, or I believe in a rapture, or I believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. Maybe it's not about believing those what statements. Maybe it's about believing the who, that when Jesus said this, that's truth. And I'm going to trust that way. And I'm going to trust that Christ. Ah, it's a lot easier to believe these what statements than it is to trust the way that Jesus gave us to follow. Ah, well. Speaking of what Christianity may not be, may not be a belief in the what, today thousands are gathered in church houses to sing songs of praise to Jesus. And I like those songs of praise. I love those songs that we sang this morning. But for many Christians, singing songs of praise about to Jesus and about Jesus is really pretty much all they want to do. And they're very content singing songs of praise to Jesus for four hours in a rock and roll concert feeling, listening to songs of praise about Jesus in their car or on their earphones. And there's really nothing wrong with that. But, and you knew there was a but coming, didn't you? What if that's really not what Jesus wants? What if that's not really what Jesus is after? Yeah, people love, 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 love to worship Jesus. Now, although Jesus accepted worship, Jesus never asked anybody to worship him. He did ask people a lot of times to follow him. So what if following Jesus is more important to Jesus than worshiping Jesus? It seems to be the message from the Sermon on the Mount as you get to the end of it. Jesus says to the folks, why do you all call me Lord, Lord? And don't do what I say. It's not, why do you all call me Lord, Lord, and don't worship me? It's, why don't you do what I say? I've just told you all to love your enemies. I just told you all to do good to those who do bad to you. I wonder if Jesus is saying, quit singing and start loving. I'm tired of your singing. I'm ready for y'all to start loving. But what if our worship is just another way to avoid listening? Hmm. What if we are all subconsciously choosing to ignore 
Jesus' teachings, when we sing songs about Jesus, because we'd rather sing songs that say how awesome Jesus is than to love our enemies and to do good to those who do bad to us and to bless those who curse us. It's a lot easier to raise our hands and say, oh, I love Jesus, than it is to go love your enemies. Hmm. Well, I just wonder sometimes... When we sing, I will sing of his love forever. God says, I don't hear that. It doesn't make any sense to me. How can you sing, I will sing of his love forever if you're not loving other people right now? So that leads me a little bit to understand what worship is. And worship really isn't about singing. There are two primary words in the New Testament for worship. One is proskuneo, and it means to kiss toward. I like that. Kuneo is to kiss, and pros is to lean forward. When the Magi came and gave gifts to Jesus when he was a kid, and they worshiped him, Matthew says, it's this word, they proskuneoed him. They leaned forward. It just means to express some affection, to express some love. And I can worship Jesus that way just by showing love. I can worship Denise. Proskuneo, just to lean forward and kiss, express affection for it. And that's, songs do play a role in that. But that's not the only word, and that's maybe not the primary word. Another word is found in Paul's letter to the Romans. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, oh, this is your true and proper worship. And that Greek word is a true O. This is your true worship. This other stuff is good, but that's not what real worship is. True worship is service. True worship is not singing about the love of Jesus. True worship is loving other people. Oh, I think they go hand in hand. But I think that if our love, singing love of Jesus does not lead to our love of the enemy and our love and our good acts toward people who have bad acts toward us, I think all this singing love of Jesus stuff is crap. In fact, 800 years before Paul wrote this, Amos wrote this. Take away from me your noisy songs. This is supposedly God speaking through Amos. Take away from me your noisy songs. I don't want to hear the music of your stringed instruments. I thought God liked praise. I thought God was kind of into that. So why would God not want? Why would God call the worshippers' songs noise Next verse, but let justice roll down like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Amos tells us that the songs 
that we sing are nothing more than noise in God's ears if those songs of praise do not lead to us creating a just and peaceful and loving and kind world. It's just noise. Wow. Quit singing if our singing is not leading to loving. I mean, a lot of people who recoil at the word Christianity because they recoil against Christians. Most of the people who recoil against Christianity are very cool with Jesus. But they feel very much like this person, an Indian guru who is quoted by E. Stanley Jones. Jesus is ideal and wonderful, but you Christians, you are not like him. E. Stanley Jones was a Christian missionary to India years and years ago, decades ago. My mother and dad had this book in their library, and uh, I love the fact that mom and dad had this book in their library and encouraged me to read it when I was in high school. That is so very true. A lot of times people say Gandhi said that, but Gandhi didn't say that. It sounds like something Gandhi would say. But it's true. So hopefully as a result of this series, we're going to be more like Jesus. And I want to close with asking the question of myself, and I encourage you to ask it of yourself. What have I done this week? Don't think about Putin. Don't think about Will Smith. But what have I done this week, even in the name of Jesus, that really did not look like Jesus? It did not sound like Jesus. did not feel like Jesus. Hopefully we'll all be able to live like Jesus a little bit better as this series progresses.